Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jake Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. It's Wyndham Clark's world, but today we're going to talk about some NFL divisions within Wyndham's world. We're going to do this every Monday for the next eight weeks, little division preview, talking about all the odds associated with each team, uh, any award looks, win total over-unders, etc. And then at the end of today's show, we're also going to talk some NBA draft. But Drew, how are you? How was your weekend? It was great. Beautiful weekend. A little tired. Uh, you know, the, the golf didn't end till like eight o'clock last night here on the West Coast. So, you know, it was a late night. Now I'm making a joke. I say I feel for the East Coasters. You like yourself. Yeah, that was just long days. <laughs> uh, West Coast U.S. Open is always kind of interesting. Uh, I thought overall it was a great experience. I excited for Wyndham Clark. I didn't win any money, uh, but uh, that said, it was uh, cool to see somebody hit that career milestone. You know, I, I coming on, coming in with such incredible form and being able to carry it for four uh, four rounds like that and not crack under the pressure of you know Roy McIlroy knocking on the door. Uh, you know, and you know Scotty Scheffler on Saturday hitting those shots at the end. You know, you think those types of uh, you know world's best coming at you down the stretch, and you know there's potential for chokage. And uh, Wyndham Clark said no not today not here this is my tournament and that's cool yeah i still don't know how his drive on the 18th landed on the fairway but uh the fact that that looked like it was completely gone but i guess he had 58 yards to work with side to side and he needed every last one of them and then uh yeah the the first putt on 18 uh that was the shot uh so took a fair bit of uh steel from Wyndham to close that one out he was I think at one point really late in the piece he got into like minus 2500 or something and then when he bogeyed late and it got out to like minus 150 again and it really felt like he was going to blow it but he didn't so credit to him uh 80 to 100 to 1 before the tournament um so congrats to anyone who had that ticket i did not uh let's try and find some other tickets in the afc east which is an absolute behemoth of a division you got three of the afc title favorites in the bills Jets and Dolphins and then uh, the Patriots as well, who are maybe the most nondescript team in the league. But we'll see if there's any angles on them. Let's start with the Bills, who are the favorite, plus 130 to win the division. Uh, they are 8-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. Uh, it feels like not that long ago they were, what were they, six-point favorites, home to Cincinnati uh, in the second week of the AFC playoffs. And then that obviously didn't go so well for Buffalo. Their win total is 10.5 backed over. And I think the key thing with the AFC East to remember as we talk about all these teams and why I guess maybe these win totals might seem a little bit low on face value is that these teams have absolutely brutal schedules. The two divisions of the AFC East teams 
have to play are uh, the AFC West, uh, which has Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in it, and uh, and the NFC East, which is also a loaded division. So there's just no real respite um, when we talk about the Atlanta Falcons at some point and run through their schedule compared to what uh, the Bills, Jets, Dolphins, and Patriots are going to have to face. It's just a different world. Uh, any angles into betting the Bills, either pro or con? Uh, I'm Bills neutral, but I'm leaning Bills con. Um, and it's not for good reasons. It's a lot of kind of around the edges stuff. Um, last year, it was pretty obvious that uh, if you, you know, and, and I took positions on the Bills, particularly um, uh, Josh Allen MVP early because they had one of the easier routes to uh, a top seed in a very crowded AFC. Um, and you knew that coming off of what was such a superlative playoff performance that ultimately did not end in the Super Bowl, that you know if they could replicate that form early in the season, the market was just going to run away on the Bills. And so you needed to have, you know, plant your flag early if you were going to believe that the Bills had a chance. And for a while last season, it looked like they did. They were the best team power rating wise for at least half the year for me. And then, you know, Josh Allen hurts his elbow and the rest is history as they never really capture that form again for the months of December in January and you know the disappointing playoff performance against the Dolphins which they ultimately won followed by a disappointing playoff performance against the Bengals where they got pushed around at home in Bill's weather uh, was a pretty uh, suspect way to end their season I don't really love any of the roster moves that they made in the offseason nothing that they did really says that they understand what their deficiencies are as a team Uh, they're lacking a little bit of youth because they've been picking at the end of the draft for so many years and they've been swinging on some positions that maybe don't matter as much and they haven't necessarily been connecting and so it's it all of a sudden looks like a roster that's somewhat fragile to me Uh, a lot of the most important players are getting up there in their 20s some in their 30s and now they don't have a defensive coordinator and the pressure is on Sean McDermott to perform this year Um, and if the offense sputters uh, we already know that the offensive coordinator who I like and Ken Dorsey is going to be immediately under fire you could see a situation where there's uh, uh, some pressure and some turnover here pretty early and and uh, that this could kind of unwind a team that has a much more difficult schedule this year and a much more difficult division, as you mentioned. I think even though you're not looking at the same quality of quarterback as you have in, say, the uh, AFC uh, North or the AFC West, it's still – these are – this is the toughest division in the NFL by my, my numbers. Um, and it's just because there's really no easy – there's no easy win at all. Uh, everything's going to be hard fought. And so uh, I would lean under – Ten and a half. At, if you're going to give me plus money, but I'm going to wait and hold and see what kind of alt numbers we get because if it doesn't go well for the Bills, if Josh Allen, you know, sustains another injury, they could put him on ice and and really just kind of try to recoup for next year with the new coach, with the new with the new vision. Uh, and I don't think that's out of the question in terms of the realm of possibilities for the Bills this year. What is your temperature on this team? Yeah, I, I wonder how much of our perception of the Bills is skewed by just how disastrous that one Cincinnati playoff game was. And the fact that, I mean, it was just a weird game. It was in the snow. I think the snow really helped Cincinnati and the, the Bengals' offensive line was so incredibly banged up. And I do think the snow neutralized Buffalo's pass rush. Now, I don't think the snow uh, is enough to forgive that they just seem to have no offensive game plan whatsoever. Uh, and they just seem to have no theory. And a lot of the times... 
Buffalo's offense last year seemed to devolve into uh, handing Josh Allen his Superman cape um, and hoping that he can fly. Uh, and there wasn't nearly as much uh, precision as you'd see, obviously, in like an Andy Reid offense or something. So I think they've got some things to sort out on that front. At the same time, this team was Super Bowl favorite with two weeks to go in the AFC playoffs. Uh, and most of the talent is still there. I do think a sneaky thing with Buffalo as well is that it came out after the season that Gabe Davis had a high ankle sprain in week two, and then he just played through it. And he was expected, I mean, everyone thought about his ridiculous performance against Kansas City in the playoffs the year before, and he was everyone's favorite fantasy sleeper coming into the season, and it just never happened for him last year. And you have to think a lot of that is just playing through that high ankle sprain. He should theoretically be healthier. Dalton Kincaid comes in, 30-1 to offensive rookie of the year. Bringing back most of the defense, you get hopefully a full year of Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. And I just think that there is a ton of upside. I hope, I kind of hope that the Bills lose in week one on Monday Night Football at the sure. gym. And there's an overreaction to their Super Bowl price and AFC price. Uh, so that might be the look in currently. I don't think there's a huge amount of appealing bets on the board in terms of futures outrights. The one I think most interesting awards market is Damar Hamlin and comeback player of the year, which is still a strange one to talk about. But uh, I think we're kind of on opposite sides of the fence here where I think that, you know, if he suits up, I think it's, it's pretty much all over. And the moment he takes takes a snap that he'll win that award and he's in the minus 250 range. But I think you think that there might be a little bit more variance and maybe uh, that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, I kind of will... You know, believe it when I see it that they really intend to put him on the field. Sure. Um, it's a very cool story. Obviously, I'm very, very happy that we're talking about this as a possibility as opposed to what the other reality was. Um, but the at the end of the day, the you know, the I don't have a stomach to watch him play football. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see something happen. <laughs> um, and it's not to say that I'm an ex medical expert and I know that there's an, an inherent, more inherent risk. Uh, having you know ha- seen what has happened once, but um, they treated their offseason like they needed to bolster the position of safety, even though they have Poyer and Hyde playing this year. Like they went out and got additional pieces. Right now, Demar Hamlin third on the depth chart for strong safety, so it's it, I don't know that we're going to see him a ton this season, and I think that's probably fine. And I want him to have a you know healthy rest of his life and you know pursue endeavors that make him happy. But uh, I don't know that that's going to be professional football. Yep. No, I think that that makes sense. Uh, And yeah, it's a strange mark. I don't really know how everyone is going to treat it, but I think it's something where if he does play and he takes a snap, we're going to know straight away if that award is uh, is done um, based on the reaction. But let's talk about my New York Jets with Sauce Gardner hanging behind me from the wall. Their win total is nine and a half, uh, slightly backed over. Uh, minus 134 to make the playoffs, plus 250 to win the AFC East and 16 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, they bring in Aaron Rodgers, who's a material upgrade over uh, the range of quarterbacks that they had last year between Zach Wilson, Mike White, Joe Flacco, the great Strevler, uh, and Co. Uh, I always worry about a team like the Jets that is 
so built upon an elite top five defense just because defense fluctuates a lot more than offense year to year, just more turnover dependent. At the same time, they've kind of mitigated that somewhat by getting Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the ball. So where do you land on the Jets? Yeah, it's a it's a very, very difficult handicap for the Jets in a lot of ways. And the main reason is what we saw from Aaron Rodgers last year was what top 20 quarterback performance coming off of two years where he was, you know, basically the clear choice MVP. Uh, and that's, you know, that obviously has alarm bells ringing in the back of your head that, uh, you know, the aging curve is crashing down on him and he doesn't have an elite level and that the best that he could expect is to be the second best quarterback in this division this year. And if that's what he, you know, what he you know ends up achieving, if he has top 10 EPA per play type of numbers this year on a Jets team that has some unique weapons on offense, but a suspect offensive line and a suspect offensive coordinator, then the Jets are going to the playoffs. They're going to absolutely be in the mix for, you know, an AFC East title, but it, it's entirely contingent upon Aaron Rodgers getting to top 10 level, which I need to kind of see to believe. Uh, the defense, on the other hand, I feel all, there are very few defenses in the NFL that I would say I have relatively high confidence we're going to see them as a top five defense at the end of the year. The Jets are absolutely one of them. This defense is loaded. Uh, the talent, particularly in the front seven, is un. Uh, it, it's deep. It's uh, it's unquestionable. I think Quinton Williams is a breakout superstar going forward in the you know kind of in the mold of an Aaron Donald uh, anchoring the interior of that defensive line. They have wave after wave of pass rusher, which is of course how Robert Sala succeeded in the San Francisco 49ers defense. So I think this is going to be a violent pass rush. I think they are going to be able to put away games with this pass rush if they have leads. Um, and I think the uh, you know the contributions you're getting from your back end, particularly with Sauce Gardner being one of the best, if not the best, cornerbacks in the NFL right now is is going to be lockdown you know play that's going to prevent comebacks from other teams so it's you know realistically i think this defense is going to be as good as advertised i think solemn may find himself under some pressure if the jets aren't winning um and that you know to the degree he can affect anything it's going to be kind of doubling down on you know unique scheme and and um uh and really kind of getting wins by the way of the defense so it's to me at least this is uh it's it's a little bit of a question mark still for me about how Aaron Rodgers fits, particularly with some of the questions on the offensive line and him being a little bit of a um, uh, a sitting duck at times, <laughs> considering this unit and how the, uh, you know, the Hackett offense was trying to run last year in, in Denver. If, it's, if it looks anything like that, then uh, this is going to be a Jets team that's winning ugly. Uh, it looks like a team that you are I'm probably looking at betting some unders. Um, not for win total, but in game by game as we go through the first portion of the season here. Um, and I would expect that uh, if and when Rodgers does get continuity with this group, does find comfort in the offense. It's probably not going to be till later in the season. So I really don't see any need to go run and bet and stockpile Jets futures now, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with that. And if you look at the first uh, six weeks of their schedule, home to Buffalo, uh, Monday night, the opening week, at Dallas, home to New England, home to Kansas City, at Denver, home to Philadelphia, going into their bye week. Uh, and I think that... The difficulty of that schedule perhaps gets maximized by the fact that, you know, Rogers won't have that level of continuity. So, again, I think that's something like Buffalo where you almost hope that they start poorly two and four and that then the market overreacts to some outright prices at that point. But, yeah, I don't see much reason to bet uh, the Jets at this point. And to your point about Rogers, I mean, last year he was 20th in EPA per play. 
among quarterbacks behind some great names like Andy Dalton and Marcus Mariota. Uh, so that's the EPA and completion part, uh, percentage over expected composite. But that's still, that's not great uh, mm. company to keep. And he did have the injury uh, that he was dealing with toward his thumb. And then also uh, just the fact that that Green Bay receiving core wasn't, you know, what it was. It's still dealing with the absence of Devontae Adams. Uh, as Christian Watson emerged, he looked a lot better and he did look better towards the end of the season, but still uh, still hard to shake the image of him just throwing interceptions to Aiden Hutchinson over and over again for fun. So uh, some questions to be asked there. Uh, in terms of awards, I don't think there's much that's super appealing, um, certainly on the offensive side of the ball. I think Robert Saller has been a name thrown around for Coach of the Year. I don't see that really at all because Rogers will just get the credit. I think they probably have to be like a one seed for Robert Saller to win that award or go 15 and two, 14 and three. Uh, so nothing super appealing there. They do have two defensive player of the year candidates though in Sauce Gardner and Quinnen Williams. And I think you like Quinnen Williams. Yeah, I mean, bad price mostly, right? Like he was, uh, at least by my metrics, um, Quinnen Williams was the fifth most uh, valuable defensive player in all of football last year. And if you look at his career projection, he took a humongous leap forward in terms of, you know, what what he brings to uh, the defense as a whole. The defense is unquestionably one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, in my opinion. And uh, he is the anchor. He's going to get a ton of the, you know, the credit for it. He's going to get a ton of the counting stats because of the, you know, the, the pressure he brings up the middle. Um, and Sauce Gardner, while a better player and probably better at his position, they just over, across the NFL, just less likely to get the credit because teams, I think, are going to have to throw away from him. So uh, if you can get anything in the, you know, kind of 30 to one range for Quinn Williams, I think that's a fair play. But it's, you know, it's again, the only thing that I would have high confidence with this Jets team is that the defense lands in the top five and it's because of the talent. And Quinn Williams is a huge reason why. Yep, I agree with that. And I think that with Source, he's an interesting one in that like this award, Defensive Player of the Year, is just so much about reputation. And I think that Source Gardner does have the reputation, but he's going to need some interceptions. And he only had two last year. This is, I think he needs like six, seven, and to have a team that's clearly a playoff team and that is regarded as clearly the best defense in the league. That's the path that Stefan Gilmore took to winning it in 2019. I think Source could take that path, but I mean, at the current prices, he's in the 11 to one range. Like that's just no bet um, at, at those kind of numbers. Let's go to the Miami Dolphins win total nine and a half plus 290 to win the division. 25 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Uh, and I think I'm a lot more bullish on the Dolphins than most people in the market. I think this team has a ridiculous amount of talent and upside getting Jalen Ramsey in. Uh, just the, the top end talent on the team between Hill and Waddle being the best receiving duo, between Ramsey and Xavier Howard, who was banged up all of last season. The offensive line is a question mark, but again, you're adding a lot of upside if Tron Armstead can just be healthy for 85% of the season, uh, then that looks a lot better. And then Tua, who, I mean, has just an incredibly wide range of outcomes as a quarterback. Like, I think he is someone who, I would not be shocked if Tua won MVP this year, but also not be shocked if he's just out of the league. Uh, and so there's just a massive range of outcomes. Obviously, hope that he is able to, to play and stay healthy. 
but I mean, he was, people forget, like he was the third favorite for MVP um, for mm-hmm. a stretch late in the season. Uh, and then it all largely fell apart. But what do you make of the Dolphins? Yeah, I, I completely agree with your take. It's a team that has a ceiling that is Super Bowl champion. And it has a seat it has a floor that is who's our quarterback next year. And that's crazy. <laughs> I think betting into an over under nine and a half flat minus one ten either side. That this is one of those over unders that I was say, yep, perfect. Put it right there. Let let people decide. Um, but I almost think it's not worth making that bet because I would rather have over ten and a half or under eight and a half because of what you described in terms of the range of outcomes here. Injury with the quarterback position is an enormous question mark, and you do not want to be entering the season with those questions. Uh, it's worth noting that um, they made one of the more kind of bally. They made one of the more um, meaningful coordinator hires in the offseason the Miami Dolphins of course bring in uh, Vic Fangio as their defensive coordinator who is uh, a decent upgrade and he has a lot to work with this is a really really talented defense not quite as uh, good of a score for me as the Jets just because they don't have uh, you know that the, the cornerbacks are getting a little bit up there Xavier Howard Jalen Ramsey definitely not spring chickens um, but that said they have elite pass rush and uh, in, in the scheme I'm expecting you know with a, a year off Vic Fangio is going to have some uh, some interesting wrinkles. Uh, so this is a team that ought to be able to win multiple ways, even if the offense isn't entirely clicking at times. And uh, and I think that's kind of the biggest question that they need to answer for me. We came down the end of last season, and it could have been because of injury. It could have been because of quarterback availability. But certainly uh, by eye, uh, the physicality that cornerbacks brought uh, to the smaller Ish, small-ish receivers, I guess, with Hill uh, and uh, Waddle was a- apparently effective. San Francisco did it, the Chargers did it, and to the degree that teams look at that tape and that is plan A to defend this team this year, they better have an answer. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what Mike McDaniel brings. I like him as a coach. I like him as a visionary. Uh, and I think he can, you know, second year under his system, this is a team that should take a step forward. So I'm with you. If the you know if things go well, you want to have a, a Dolphins you know Super Bowl ticket in pocket, AFC ticket in pocket because they're going to exceed by margin. Uh, it's the the problem is uh, you know if they don't continue to innovate offense and if something happens to Tua from a health standpoint, then uh, the next thing you know you're cheering for Mike White to get you to ten wins and you're feeling a little nervous about it. Indeed, yeah. I think the one thing with Miami is I always come back and think about that mon- uh, that Sunday night game they had against the Chargers towards the end of last season where they lost 23-17 and Tua just looked awful in that game and it looked like Miami's offense had largely been solved. Uh, and I mean, it was just yeah. an uneven year last year. They had a ton of injuries to your point about the receivers, like Tyreek Hill was banged up all the last four or five weeks of last year, uh, which probably cost him offensive player of the year. So I think, yeah, there's definitely some downside. There's also massive upside. If I was going to bet on three teams in the AFC outside of the, the big three of Kansas City, Buffalo and Cincinnati, I would have probably the Dolphins top of the list along with the Ravens. And then I think Cleveland would be the long shot. <laughs> talk about those latter two teams when we talk AFC North but in terms of awards pricing I do think there are some interesting bets here Uh, we talked with Ahmed and and Chris Sims last week about Mike McDaniel um, and and coach of the year he's 20 to 1 he's the type of guy where with coach of the year just looking at guys who will get the credit if they have a resume that's deserving so like Mike McCarthy 
if the Cowboys go 14 and three, like he's just not going to get the credit because he's right. like Doc Rivers of the NFL. Um, but Mike McDaniel, like if if the Dolphins win the division and they're the one seed, then he just wins. Like he just wins coach of the year, barring yeah. a massive outlier. Uh, and he's 20 to one to win coach of the year. I wish they had a slightly easier schedule, but I still think there's some meat on the bone there. Tyreek Hill, 18 to one offensive player of the year when you think that he probably would have won or been a coin flip to win if he just stayed healthy down the back end of last season and he had Tua as his quarterback all season. I think that's somewhat interesting. And then the one that I've bet the most is Jalen Phillips, defensive player of the year. I bet that at 200 to one and 150 to one. If you get anything close to 100 to one, I think that's value because he was like, I think a lot of people don't even know who Jalen Phillips is. Um, <laughs> not, you know, he's not a Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett household name yet, but he was 18th pick in the draft a couple of years ago. He was sixth in the NFL in pressures last season as a yeah. second year play. Like, he has a ton of upside and playing opposite Bradley Chubb, I think that uh, that will free him up um, to have more clean runs at the quarterback. But yeah. Playing play next to Christian Wilkins too. That yeah. matters. He's great. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good defensive line. And uh, yeah, I, mean, I would imagine that uh, Vic Fangio is excited to work with this group, and that uh, Jalen Phillips is sort of the beneficiary of all of the unique ways that they're going to find uh, to make quarterback lives difficult. Um, yeah, that's a great bet. The prices you got are outstanding. And I, I mean, if you can find still numbers like that, I would put one in your pocket. And again, like this is sort of the underlying theme. Uh, the Dolphins, you want to swing for the wild outlier stuff because if it does click, just like you said, like, you know, you want, you, you, you I would, what would I, what would I, would I rather have over nine and a half wins at minus 110 or would I rather have, Mike McDaniel, coach of the year, 20 to one. Because if they're going over nine and a half, if they're winning this division, if they're in the conversation for the one seed, then just like you said, like McDaniel's the shoe in. And uh, he would have gotten more consideration last year uh, if Tua stayed healthy. And really, he got weirdly, he got a lot of the blame for the medical staff clearing Tua and getting another, a second concussion, which was kind of strange. But I guess ultimately he's the, you know, he's the head decision maker. So it falls on his, his shoulders. But um, yeah, I mean, if Tua plays 17 games this season, the Dolphins are very, very live to win the one seed in the AFC, and McDaniel is very, very live to be coach of the year. So 20 to 1 is a great, great number to have in pocket. Yeah. And the other thing there, too, is that outside of like MVP is the only super, super serious award, along with maybe Defensive Player of the Year uh, across some leagues. But with these other awards, it's largely like who do people want to give it to? And there's enough of a justification. You can just tell with the media buzz around last season, the two guys that everyone really loved were Brian Dayball and Mike McDaniel. And then McDaniel kind of fell off and then Dayball didn't. Well, Dayball did. He actually did fall off. He still won it anyway. <laughs> um, and so I think that is key is that, you know, you need to be, well, it definitely helps if you are liked uh, and then you can put up a resume that allows you to receive the award. Uh Dolphins are high variance. This next team, I don't think very high variance at all. The New England Patriots, lowest win total in the division, which is seven and a half, backed uh, slightly under yeah. now, uh, plus 235 to make the playoffs, plus 750 to win the AFC East. This is one of the more nondescript, uh, unexciting playoff contending teams that I can imagine of recent vintage. Do you have any angle uh, on the Patriots? 
Yeah, I mean, when we saw the schedule come out and before we kind of got the sense that they have at least found some semblance of stability with the offensive scheme and play caller, I was very, very pessimistic that the Patriots were going to make a run for anything this year. And I think that that is still the reality because the schedule that they are facing is exceptionally difficult. And realistically, if this team is below 500 halfway through the season, is Mac Jones still the starter? Probably not. There is enough questions and issues swirling with the, uh, you know, head coach quarterback, you know, chemistry there that even if he is like back towards progressing from what we saw as a rookie, because he's in a functional offense, if the team's not winning, um, there's going to be incentive to, tank for a quarterback you know in next year's draft uh, that will take his place and i think there are a handful of teams who otherwise are good enough to think we could be going to the playoffs this year who may find themselves on the wrong side of you know a difficult schedule who make the decision to well let's go after one of these generational quarterbacks at the top of the draft then. Uh, and the Patriots are in that conversation. It's crazy. We talk, we've been talking AFC East now for almost half an hour. We've talked about three teams that I think realistically could win the Super Bowl this year. And the Patriots clearly are not. Uh, I do not think this team has the talent and, you know, skill, particularly the skill position players to go toe to toe with the elite offenses in the AFC, even if they do find their way into the playoffs. And so uh, realistically is, is that a successful season? If, you're Bill Belichick and you get in as a seventh seed and a really, you know, you know, really tight AFC and, and then you get your doors blown off by the likes of the Bills, the Bengals or the Chiefs in round one of the playoffs. Like, are you going to feel like we're building something going forward? I, I just don't see it. I think there's much, much longer tail to the downside here where this is a three or four win team on the basis of their two and six or two and seven uh, around the halfway point. And they just decide, guess what? We're uh, we're in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes here. We'll we'll uh, we'll figure some stuff out next year. And really the the major issues outside of just um, you know, the way that uh, the offense has progressed in the three years we've seen Mac Jones as quarterback or the, you know, he- heading into the third year here is really just the decision making about wide receiver room in the tight end room, uh, paying a lot of guys a lot of money. And none of these players in particular stand out as uh, true, true blue difference makers. So, um, the difficulty of the division is really where it starts, but uh, ultimately this is a roster that has too many holes and questions for me to be any kind of uh, positive upside on. Yeah. If they get DeAndre Hopkins, that might make them a little bit more interesting, but at the moment they're kind of aggressively uninteresting. Uh, I think that, I mean, last year I was kind of higher on the Patriots for much of the season than I think consensus just because we're still regressing back a bit to Mac Jones in 2021, where I thought he was excellent and also uh, had solid surface level numbers and then also when he looked at the interception luck and drop catches he should have been even better than he was and then last year happens and uh, I thought that he'd maybe figured it out after he had that awesome performance against Minnesota uh, in the dome and then kind of saw what other teams did to Minnesota's defense after that and it was you know not nearly as impressive after the fact so yeah with the Patriots I think maybe some alt under downside the only thing there is that they just have too much kind of solid talent uh, across the defense mainly. Uh, and then there's enough on the offensive line that even if it is the Bailey Zappi show, are they going to be able to get to be bad enough? Maybe against that schedule. Uh, in terms of awards pricing, Matthew Judon, 50 to 1 defensive player of the year. He's the only real, I think, candidate. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, defensive rookie of the year as well. But 
Nothing, uh, nothing super um, compelling on that front. Uh, who do you think wins this division in the end? In the end, I think it is going to be the Bills, and I'm probably going to be waiting for. And it's just because they have the best quarterback. Josh Allen's the best quarterback in this division, and it's by margin. And I think um, the name of the game for playing the AFC East this year is going to be planning your you know your buy point on the bills and it will be contingent on halfway through the season josh allen is still healthy stefan diggs is still engaged the uh defense is figuring things out and uh the offensive line is not showing you massive regression from last season if we kind of get to the point where the bills are positioned well to build into a playoff run the way they were two years ago then uh, i think that's going to be your buy point to win the afc east and i would look for a price in the three to one range Yep, I think that is the right call. I think the Bills will win this division. I think at price, the Dolphins are probably the best bet at plus 290. In terms of the awards markets, I think that the best bets are around the Dolphins, as we talked about. Mike McDaniel, 21 Coach of the Year. Jalen Phillips, if you can get 100 to 1 Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, that is the team that I would be riding for upside. All right, before we get to the NBA draft, a reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. All right, NBA draft, uh, happiest day of the year for some, is around the corner. Uh, unlike last year, not much a suspense around the number one overall pick. Victor Wenbanyama is minus 50,000, which is one of the great bets of all time, uh, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't need, don't need to talk about the other players in that market. Where the draft starts really is at pick two where Brandon Miller had been the favorite. That has flipped now to Scoot Henderson being minus 145 to go second overall with Buzz swirling that uh, a number of teams might be trading up for him, notably the New Orleans Pelicans with, uh, with Zion Williamson on the table. 
Uh, and then Miller is the favorite to go third. Uh, are you hearing anything about the number two overall pick? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I was part of this, uh, you know, a little bit of the movement here. Um, obviously, somebody hit it much harder than I did because uh, Scoot Henderson was a big, big number to go number two last week. Um, and it was really contingent on, you know, the draft express from ESPN was kind of the guy beating the drum that uh, Brandon Miller was the pick for the um, for the Hornets at two. Uh, two weeks ago, and then he pivoted uh, on a dime middle of last week, and it's like, okay, well, you are the reason we are the market is where it is. So if you're changing your story, then clearly the market needs to be adjusted here. And some of that is ultimately that, yeah, the you know talent would weigh out, and the you know, Hornets see the light of day, and they realize this is the better player. Uh, some of it is probably the um, uh, you know poten- potential that uh, they deal that pick, and the only you know only reason teams would trade up to the two would be to go for Scoot Henderson. I don't think anyone's giving away the farm or trading a blue chip player uh, in order to get Brandon um, you know Miller. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm assuming. Um, so it's uh, it's you know I, I don't know that for sure Charlotte's going to make that pick, um, but I agree that Henderson ought to be the favorite. Is that your opinion as well? Yeah, I think so. And I think also at some point you just have to introduce some rationality into the market where it just seems like the consensus is Scoot Henderson is by far the better prospect than Brandon Miller and certainly has a lot more superstar upside. And it seems like yeah, there would be a, a number of teams who would be offering trade packages to go up to two. The only question would be then if if Charlotte, if they're actually going to take Miller at two and then teams would be trading up to three for, for Portland. But uh, yeah, I think that Henderson will ultimately go second overall. Uh, in terms of picks three through five, are you hearing anything? You made any bets in those markets? Uh, I'm prepared now to fire a little bit on Ausar Thompson. Yeah. Is that, am I even close? Possibly. <laughs> Ausar Thompson? I think more realistically, he's going to go four than Amen Thompson, um, based on what I'm hearing. Uh, and right now, you can get some pretty interesting head to heads where. Asur is in the plus 250 range head-to-head against Amen. Um, I think three is most likely Brandon Miller. Uh, I don't think there, you know, this is, there's a pretty clear tier at that, you know, you kind of draw the line after Miller and it's, you know, kind of dealer's choice who you like the best between Thompson, Thompson, Whitmore, uh, Walker, maybe even Black is in the discussion. Um, but yeah, Houston to me looks like uh, they are going to go with the better of the shooters, which as far as I can tell you, at least in terms of style you know his ability to be coached into being a, a decent shooter i think Asar is the better of the two um and so i think ultimately houston goes in that direction cam whitmore top five likely probably lands in um uh in detroit and then uh the rest of the top 10 could get a little squirrely but uh, i definitely think anthony black and walker likely go in the top eight uh, Amen Thompson may be the faller, I think, uh, the way that uh, I'm kind of laying out the the picks in the top top eight here. Um, haven't really bet much until just recently because there just hasn't been a ton of liquidity this year. Um, as of now, it's starting to change. So these markets are going to get violent today. I would watch things very closely for prices to start steaming out of uh, out of range because you can actually get a pretty decent bet down. I don't know if you've seen anything this morning. Um, but there's some fun ways to uh, try to capitalize right now. 
Yeah, first draft in the post Paolo world um, where where the market took down Woj. Let's uh, close out by talking about Rookie of the Year uh, where Victor Wenbanyama is minus 225. Scoot, second favorite, 4-1. to one. Chet Holmgren, still a rookie. He's 5-1. to one. And then Brandon Miller is plus 950. The market perhaps telling the Hornets that they should probably draft Scoot Henderson um, <laughs> if he's there too. Uh, my read on this is that I just think when Binyama should be minus a thousand, um, <laughs> I would not be backing anyone else in the market. I mean, from you know, people I've spoken to around the league and kind of and everything that's just out there, it seems like when Binyama is going to come into the league and and like straight away be a top you know, conservatively, a top 35 player in the league, maybe uh, more optimistically a top 15 player in the league and a legitimate all-star from day one. And when you look at what he's done in the French league, uh, which is not the most amazing league, clearly, but it's still a professional league uh, and still a decent enough level of competition where what he's doing matters. And the fact that he was MVP, DPOY, and Rookie of the Year all in the same year, he's got an insane on-off. You look at the his team's two-point defense, it's just absolutely incredible. Uh, and I think that he is more NBA-ready uh, defensively, certainly, than most people. I think perhaps give him credit for And then I think he's going to get enough counting stats on offense, just like he did in France. So... Uh, and also, here's the thing with Rookie of the Year. This is the one award that really projects forward too. And if it's close between Victor Wenbanyama and Scoot Henderson, I think people are going to have it in their minds. Oh, did I vote for Victor Wenbanyama, who went down as the eighth greatest basketball player of all time? Did I vote for him to win Rookie of the Year? Or did I vote for Scoot Henderson, who ended up being a two-time All-Star? Like, <laughs> I think the people are going to end up deferring to the greatness and uh yeah i i think when Binyama is largely just a bet on health okay. and here's the other thing with rookie of the year you don't even really need health because of the nature of the year he's gonna play like 50 games and then yeah. that should be enough to win so i think when Binyama, uh yeah it's ridiculous to say that he hasn't even been drafted yet and he's value at minus 225 i think there's some minus 180 out there as well but yeah i i think he should be the heavy heavy favorite what do you think uh i had an interesting conversation with someone who you know, and you were actually part of that conversation about who should be the MVP in the NBA next year. And just looking at the prices, the only one that made me kind of excited was Wemby on MVP at 130 to 130 to one. That's not crazy. Like, what if he plays more than the rest of the game? What if the you know Embiid only plays 50 games? Jokic, you know, takes his foot off the gas for the regular season next year. Like, you know, Giannis is you know, over the hill or whatever. Like there's a, there's a path for Wemby to be considered. Uh, so yeah, MVP 130 to one is kind of a fun flyer, but I guess let me ask you strategy wise, timing wise, market entry wise, that number is not going to evaporate between now and the start of the regular season, right? Like there's really no rush to lock up liquidity. Probably not at minus 225 at the same time. If he lights up, well, it's going to be Sacramento summer league and, uh, Maybe he gets the minus 300 or something. I think the minus 180, if you can find that, is a decent bet right now. But, uh, yeah, at minus 225, it's too, a bit hard to get too excited. Maybe parlay it into the Giants to win the NL West. Um, it's a little, uh, a little bump. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't think there's any parallel for this guy in the history of professional sports in America. Yeah. I mean, like the parallel is Bryce Harper, I guess. Um, the parallel is maybe... 
Aaron Judge's rookie season where he probably should have won MVP but didn't because he was a rookie and lost to Altuve, uh, even though yeah. I think Judge probably deserved it. Obviously, the NBA is a different <laughs> different ball game um, and more difficult for someone to just come in and win, it, win MVP, and I don't think he's going to do that. But certainly, you, when you're dealing with something that's never been seen before, which I think when Banyama qualifies, uh, this is the time to be betting outliers. And we don't have a lot of these markets yet, but... I would, yeah, when they come open, I'm almost certainly going to be betting Wen Binyama to make the all-star team, to make all-NBA, for the Spurs to make the playoffs, for the Spurs to win 45-plus games. Like, stuff that, you know, particularly with the last Spurs one, is probably not going to happen, but there's a lot of upside there. They also have a lot of cap space, so I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Wen Binyama is impacting winning more than people expect from day one. And we are done. Thank you, Drew Dinsick, for impacting winning today. And don't forget to check out <laughs> NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks, everyone, watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe to us. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, we'll be back on Wednesday.